many of you like road trips? You like getting on the road and you like going, you like driving? You like long road trips? You plan out your trips, you got this, your stop along the way, and you, you know where every Starbucks is, or you got every Bucky's, you know, pinpointed on your GPS and stuff, right? You like that road trip you're driving? How many of you like long road trips with kids? Wow, we got a responsive crowd here today. I like it. What's their first question, or what's the question? Are we there yet? And it's not asked just once, and it's usually asked within the first 10 minutes. And if you stop, it's, are we there yet? And as soon as you get back in the car, is it, are we there yet? And I don't know about you, but we always tried to have some distractions, right? Back when our kids were little, we had that TV that you kind of, you put on these straps between the two seats, the two front seats, a big old honking TV, right, that you plugged into the cigarette lighter, and you hope the power converter didn't fail, didn't blow a fuse or something in there, and you just hope that the PS whatever one, or we, I don't know which one it was we were using, we hoped it kept working, and we hoped it had enough videos. And I would, I know I said this before we got on the trip, don't ask that question, Right? Don't ask that question. Mom and dad will tell you when we are there. When we get there, you will know. It will. But there's just something in us, right? There must be something in our kids, or maybe it's our kids that are doing that to the parents, that are just wanting to make sure that we know that they're there. We're trying to block it out, distract them. Well, we are in Philippians 3. We're in verse 12, and we're, it must be the church of Philippi must have been asking that question. Are we there yet? Have we made it? Is this it? And Paul has given them a, a great answer. And it is just like most of us, we are not there yet. We are not there yet. So let's look and see at why we are not there yet. Look at verse 12. Paul's writing, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. He repeats himself right there. Must be doubly important. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will, re will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul's saying, for Paul, we're not there yet. He's telling the Philippians, we are not there yet. Where's that? What does that mean? What is he talking about? Look at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, right? There's, there's got to be a, a precedent to that. What is what is he talking about? We haven't obtained this. Well, look back. This is what Stephen covered last week. Look at verse 8. Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth, and this is the this, of knowing Christ Jesus. That's the this. The it. He said, I press on to make it my own. Look at verse 11, uh, 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. We're not there yet. Paul's saying, I'm not there yet. Think about this for Paul. He's probably been a believer, a Christ follower, 
for about 30 years at this point. Think about his ministry. It is said in Acts that he went through a, a province of Asia, and when he left, everybody in the province had heard about Jesus. That's the Paul that's saying, I'm not there yet. He's also the Paul that was whipped, put in prison. He was singing hymns at midnight. And the gates and the bars of the prison, their chains fall off. And that's the Paul who's saying, I'm not there yet. This is the Paul, and early on in Acts, right after his salvation, he's, they've got basically a handkerchief. And it was said that it, if it touched somebody who was sick, it made them well. What? That's the Paul who's saying, I'm not there yet. In another place, he casts a demon out of a girl. And this is the Paul that's saying, I'm not there yet. Wow. Are we there yet? This is much more than a little road trip. Paul's talking about a lifelong journey. That's why we have to understand that the starting line is not the finish line. I was telling Kendra this point last night, and she said, duh. The starting line is not the finish line. Why would you even say that? Because sometimes we like to check the box off, right? Did that. Got it. Stopped at that Bucky's. Done, right? We get back from a trip and we're done. Well, even in their culture, they had the same thing. They had the Jewish Christians, Stephen talked about this last week, who were saying to become a Jewish Christian, to be a part of the Jewish church, you've got to be circumcised. And then you're in. There were other groups at that time that said this, if you had just passed this test, this initiation test, then you're in. Check it off. You're done. That's all you got to do. There's other groups that were saying if you would just say these words this way, you're in. That's it. And when we're checking off the box of religion, and we do that too, don't we? I've been to church this week. Check. When we do that and we stop, it's almost like we're saying, I'm stopping on the journey. I'm done. I'm finished. And Paul is saying, no way. We are not there yet. I haven't obtained it. This Paul who says that God's the one who completes this work in us back in chapter 2. That is a journey that we all have to be on. We all have to continue in. And the starting line is not the finish line. And Paul can't get over that Jesus has grabbed hold of him. Look at verse 12 at the end right here. He says, I press on to make it the knowledge of Jesus and knowing Jesus every day my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This, this Greek word right here is that Jesus has grabbed him. It is, he seized him. It's like he's yanking on him to get him out of his old way of life. He has grabbed him. Do you remember how Paul met Jesus? On the road to Damascus in a bright light, and Jesus spoke to him and said, why are you persecuting me? Paul couldn't get over that. And we shouldn't either. 
I don't know what your story is, but my story is one of those of, of kind of checking the box. I grew up in church, walked down the aisle of a church, shook the pastor's hand at a church, was introduced to the church, was baptized in that church, and nothing changed in here. And I didn't really realize it. It was, a, it was an important part of my story, but I didn't really realize that until a, a pastor asked in a mission trip setting on a, on a night that we were just getting together debriefed, do you know for certain if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven? I knew all the right stuff. I'd check that box. I had done most of the right stuff. I could check a lot of those boxes. But I could not check that box because it's not a box about religion. It's a box about a relationship. And that night, I made for, for certain, I made for sure that I knew Jesus and entered into a relationship with, a, with Jesus, a relationship with a person, and decided then and there that Jesus had grabbed hold of me, and I wanted to in turn grab hold of him. Look, at, that's the, how verse 12 starts. Same word, obtained. It's this grabbing. Paul's saying, I'm grabbing hold of Jesus because he's grabbed hold of me. The starting point is not the finish line. Starting line is not the finish line. It's this the gun that goes off to tell us we're racing and running and walking and going forward with Jesus and with knowing Jesus. And that's the most important thing. Look at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Remember, he repeats it, and just in case anyone was doubting, but one thing I do. I forget what lies behind and strain forward to what's ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul doing for us? Well, he's kind of modeling our next point. He's being honest. And you and I, we need to be honest about where we are, about what we're doing, about how we're thinking, about the journey. If Paul's confessing right here, I haven't obtained this yet. I haven't grasped all that there is to grasp yet. That I'm still pursuing Jesus. I still want to know more. Then we need to be honest too. Look at what he says. He says, I, this one thing I do in the middle of 13 is forget what lies behind and straighten forward to what lies ahead. It's really more disregarding what's behind, right? Those are important pieces. He just said, I can't, I can't forget that Jesus has grabbed hold of me. I can't get that out of my mind. Now, there's been some incredible spiritual markers along the way, right? We just sang the song, Show Me Your Glory, that we repeated that course over and over. And in Exodus 33, God's just about had it with the Israelites. Exodus 33 and 34, and he's telling Moses, hey, I'm going to wipe them out, and we're going to start fresh with your family. And Moses says, no, please don't do that. For the sake of your name, don't do that. And God says, okay, go on into the promised land. And Moses says, no, not without you. In fact, Moses says, God, I'm not going. You have to show me your glory right now. And when I think of that point, that place in history, what the Israelites have experienced, they've experienced the plagues in Egypt, they've experienced this incredible way that God has brought them out. 
of the slavery and bondage of Egypt headed to this new promised land, and they're kind of like, okay. They've forgotten what God's done, and they thought he's just kind of dragged them out to the desert to kill them. In my quiet time, I'm reading through the, a chronological Bible plan, and I'm, I'm blown away when it says that the pillar of, of cloud came down during the day and the pillar of fire at night, and I'm thinking, how did they ever get tired of that? Oh, wait, they're people like me, right? And even though I know when God shows up, I still need to be pursuing Jesus. I can't just look back. I've got to forget or disregard and move forward. And he writes in this that I am straining. I'm literally stretching. You see that picture of, the, of a runner stretching for that final tape. That they are stretching and straining mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, straining to cross the finish line at their peak, at their fastest. There's no age limit on this. It's not about getting there first or fastest. It's about getting there. And it requires you and I to daily take one step after another. To daily take another step towards the goal. This upward call in verse 14. I press on for the goal of, toward the goal for the prize of an upward call of God in Christ. Two different words right there. Goal and prize. You might just circle those. Those are different. A goal is a, is a midpoint on the way. And a prize would be awarded by someone else, an observer, because of your effort. Who do you think that is? That's powerful. Paul's being honest. He's confessing, hey, I haven't gotten here. I'm not there yet. I'm always straining. I am working towards the goal. And that is key. For us, the starting line's not the finish line. We have to keep going. And that self-assessment or that reflection or that how am I doing is very, very important. So if you were to give yourself a grade, how would you do? If you were to say, if you're, from the time that you have trusted Christ, where are you today? On a scale of 1 to 100, where would you fall? We love to compare ourselves, right? No more checking off the box, though. Because we should compare ourselves to Jesus. We should look more like him today than we did yesterday. And aren't you glad we don't finish with the grade right here? Look at these next couple of verses. Look at 15 and 16. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Paul says, hey, this is not the end, right? We are still in this day by day, step by step, and we're in this together. Paul includes himself. Circle the word us right there because he says it twice in these two verses. Us. Let us. do the. Paul could have been top down, right? Paul had authority, right? He could have said, you do what I say. In fact, he does that to the Corinthians. He says, you do what I say. You need to obey, not so much in my absence, in presence, but also in my absence, he says. But Paul's here, he's including himself. He's including himself with the Philippians and saying, hey, let us move this direction 
together. As we're real and as we're authentic, that beats passion every time. Perseverance outpaces that every time. We don't just need energy. We need authenticity. This kind of authenticity. And, and I don't know about you, but I need you. I need help. I need someone in my life asking me hard questions. We moved to Georgia back in 97-ish, the dawn of the internet, which is a good thing, right? So I was searching or doing something on, maybe looking up at ESPN, trying to keep up with my Texas teams while I was in Georgia. And there was a little sidebar on the side. It said, do you like sports or do you like something? And I clicked on it and realized I'd clicked on something I shouldn't have been clicking on. I was far away from most of my friends, brand new in a brand new ministry, leading students for a church there. And so I called up the first life group leader I could find and said, hey, I need to meet with you every week so you can ask me hard questions. So you can ask me how I'm doing with my computer. This is before cell phones. I still have those, a guy like that that can say to me anytime, you ask me any question, and I'll swallow hard, and we'll talk about what's most important because community is important. Paul's saying community is important. You know that at Champion Forest, we believe community is important, that you get in a small group. You get in a group where you can talk about spiritual stuff, not just The Bachelor, right, or the Astros, that you get. You know The Bachelor's not real, right? And the Astros are a way other topic. But you get where you can talk about spiritual stuff. So that someone can ask you questions about how you're doing spiritually, how your relationships are, how's your family, how's your work. And if you've been honest with yourself and you've had that kind of time personally, that kind of time corporately, will go that much better. We need to be growing. We need to be pursuing God. We read in his word. We are praying. And we need this community. Let us do these things together. Look what he says in verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Now this talks about progress. And it literally is the word walk. Let us Attain to where we have walked. This is the path that we have walked on. Interesting, in this racing metaphor, Paul's talking about walking, which again tells us it's not just about speed. It's about this long journey, this great journey of knowing Jesus. It's like exploration of the ocean. We will never know all there is to know. And we will never know all there is to know about Jesus. We can keep mining and discovering more about the cross in our lives and what Jesus looks like in our lives and how we can look more like Jesus and how God wants to use us right where we are and why we've been placed right where we are. Because of Jesus. Because Jesus laid hold of us. He grabbed us, got our attention. The gun went off and now we're on this journey of knowing God. Let us hold true to what we've attained. 
And so when I think through that, I think, you know what, one of the funnest parts of a journey is getting home, right? You get home and you just crash. As soon as you get all the luggage out and you're, you get the air conditioner back on, right, and you just get ready to crash. But we're not home yet, are we? This isn't it. He's talked about this upward call. This is not all there is to life. Despite what our culture says, this is it. This isn't it. You need to know that so that we will continue to press on. We will continue to pursue. We will continue to strive and want more than this life has to offer. We aren't there yet. So how do we do? What do we do next? What's our application? Do you know for certain when Jesus grabbed hold of you? Do you know for certain when Jesus grabbed hold of you? It would be a shame to leave here today and you not, not know that. John writes, hey, I write these things. He wrote his gospel. I write these things to you that you may know for certain you have eternal life. That's the message of Scripture for you to know what the cross means and that the resurrection gives you new life. Do you know for certain Jesus grabbed hold of you? How are you doing? Your spiritual assessment. If you had to confess something, you know, I'm not telling you you have to confess anything. Not to anybody here, just to God. But if you were to confess something, what would it be to God right now? What would be some good things that are going on? Those are positive. We keep those things, keep us going, moving forward. Little victories are important. How would you assess your spiritual life, your spiritual account? Is it more just box checking or is it relational? If I told Kendra, hey, I checked the box this Valentine's Day, I got you this, how does that go over in a relationship? Not very good. And it doesn't go over good with Jesus either. How's your spiritual account? Can you take another step? Can you take another step in your relationship with Jesus? The last thing, are you ready to be a part of a group, be a part of community? Joining with others on this marathon, as this journey in life. We need each other. We need, we need encouragement. We need help. We need to go arm in arm, hand in hand. Let's do this together. This is the last place we should be isolated. And we're often isolated here because we don't want other people to know what's going on. So I'm going to ask our decision time encouragers to get in place. We're going to have a response time. We're going to sing a song, give us a little more time at this uh, part of the service. But for you to know for certain that Jesus has laid hold of you, you can settle that right now. For you to do a quick spiritual assessment, say, I'm not where I should be. Will you pray for me? That's all you got to say to one of these on either side of the stage. Or I need to be a part of community. I need, I need someone to encourage me. I need someone to hold me accountable. To help me take that next step. And to keep going on this journey. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for its uh, power in our lives. And God, I pray that we would know you every step of this journey and that you would use your word today to impact uh, change in us thank you for Jesus 
Thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus. Thank you for the cross and resurrection and what it means for our lives. Thank you for the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.